early intervention. Ten kilometers apart, two people put down their telephones at precisely the same moment. They were united by the past, the present, and for a short while, the future. The man had a smile on his face. He was pleased with the transaction that had just taken place. He straightened his tie and began to whistle before sauntering over to the whiskey bottle on the bedside table to pour a drink. The woman, beautiful and elegant, sat for a moment in a state of shock. She got up slowly and made her way to the crystal decanter displayed on top of the imposing walnut bar. She too poured herself a drink. With trembling hands, she moved back to the telephone and rang a familiar number. After three rings, a bright female voice answered. Medical Centre, Karen speaking, may I help you? Hello Karen, is Dr. Ramsey there please? I'm sorry, Dr. Ramsey is in surgery, but he should be out in half an hour. Who shall I say called? The woman hesitated a moment before answering. Tell him it's Miss Young. Certainly Miss Young, has he your contact number? Yes, he has, and Karen, tell him it's urgent, tell him. Tell him my problem has returned. Charlie Clark sauntered towards the Gosford Hotel whistling. He had walked the two blocks from the train station, but he had every intention of hiring a cab to take him back. In fact, he might not go back to his dingy room at the Telford Arms. He may just decide to book into the Carlton Crest right here in town. Expensive? Yes. But in an hour or so, he would be able to afford it. He walked into the foyer and made his way over to the bar, ordering himself a double. He was early, but wanted to savour the moment of his success. It had been a lucky break seeing Amanda Mayer's photo in the magazine. The price of fame. Engaged to be married, eh? And a real high flyer too, by the look of him. And the best of it was... She had hardly changed over the last 15 years, since her first modelling job. No doubt all the Botox injections had made sure of that. All the better. And it couldn't have come at a better time. Charlie had been down on his luck for quite a while, and funds were low. He took a sheaf of photographs out of his pocket. They were standard-sized prints, but clearly showed two naked people in the sex act. One was clearly Amanda Mayers, now one of the highest paid models in the world. Charlie looked closely at the photo, as he had a number of times. If only he could identify her partner, he could do some double dipping, but all that could be seen was the boy's back. The irritating thing was that there was a fairly distinct birthmark on the shoulder blade, so there was no doubt he could be identified and therefore vulnerable. If only Charlie knew who he was. He'd inherited the photos along with the negatives way back in his student days when he had stolen his roommate's much-prized suede coat. The roommate was a great party-goer and popular with his crowd. Not a crowd Charlie mixed in. You needed rich parents to be part of the swingers to pay for the booze and the drugs or else a regular income, which is where the photos came in. 
His roommate had certainly been smart and taken advantage of every opportunity, and from the look of the stash there had been plenty of those. Of course, Charlie was not in a position to inquire too much about the orgy without revealing himself as the thief. Most annoying. He wouldn't have minded being part of the swinging crowd, especially with a prize like Amanda. She was certainly the pick of the bunch, not only for her looks, but the income she had derived from them over the years. None of the other women in the photos had been anything like as profitable. Whilst he was still intent in scrutiny, a smartly dressed man also walked over to the bar. He nodded pleasantly to Charlie and ordered himself a drink. Charlie nodded back and carefully put the photos away. Photographer, are you? The stranger smiled casually. That was a great hobby of mine when I was young. I can't believe how much time I spent taking snaps of birds. <laughs> the feather kind, mind you. I was too young to appreciate the other kind. He took a hearty drink before adding, By the time I was old enough to really appreciate the ladies, I was married with kids and half my life gone. Charlie nodded. Yeah, I know what you mean. One minute you've got all your life ahead of you with plans and the next is half over and the plans are down the toilet. Ah, that doesn't sound so good. I'm sure you've got plenty of good times ahead of you. The stranger remarked, nodding to the barman. Same again. And, uh, what will you have? He turned to Charlie, who was happy to order a large whiskey. They chatted amiably for a few minutes about life in general, until the stranger downed the last of his wine and turned to go. As he did so, he stopped suddenly peering closely at Charlie's neck. Excuse me, but I just have to ask. I couldn't help notice that small mole you have on the side of your neck. Charlie instinctively put his hand to his neck where a rather large mole was clearly visible. What about it? I've had it for years. Oh, I'm sure you have. The stranger continued, looking purposefully. He even put on a pair of glasses for closer investigation. Forgive me, but I'm a doctor and I notice these things. He continued... Have you ever had it checked out by a specialist? What, this little thing? No. Once again, Charlie found himself fingering the blemish, but this time his voice was not so casual. Why? Instead of answering straight away, the stranger extended his hand. I'd better introduce myself. I'm Dr. John Ramsey, and I'm chief surgeon at the Ramsey Medical Centre, just up the road. I'm afraid I have a bad habit of taking my work home with me. When I see something medically disturbing, I feel a compulsion to speak out. Charlie found himself stammering nervously. You... you think there may be something wrong? Look, I don't want to concern you unduly. It's probably nothing. But I would advise you to check it with your GP straight away. He can do some tests and you'll know the results within a couple of days. Alarm was now in Charlie's voice. But I don't have a doctor. I've never had anything wrong with me before. I see. Well, no worry. There are plenty of doctors listed online. You could get an appointment with a doctor within a few days and he'll give you a referral. Then you can book up with a specialist. The better ones may take a month or two before you see them, but the less popular ones will probably be free in a few weeks. And it's all reclaimable on Medicare. I just wouldn't leave it too long. The stranger looked at his watch. I really must be going, else I'll miss the kids' bath time. I'm sorry I bothered you. Good evening. Charlie hesitated a moment, then made the approach himself. Look, 
You seem to know the procedure. How about you? Can I make an appointment with you and you do the tests? Dr. John Ramsey smiled. I'm sorry. It's most irregular. Without a referral from a GP. In fact, I'm already in breach of medical ethics for even having spoken to you about it. Charlie jumped in quickly. Oh, don't worry about that. I wouldn't tell anybody. The doctor shook his head. I'm sorry, no. I could get into a great deal of trouble. Just get it checked as soon as possible. It's probably benign. Charlie took him by the shoulder. But you said yourself it may take time. I'd be awfully grateful. The stranger took a final sip of his drink. He began to walk away and then turned back. What the hell? Look, I think I'm obligated seeing that I've got you worried. Why don't you call tomorrow about one o'clock? The Ramsey Medical Centre. Dr. John Ramsey, third floor. Don't worry about an appointment. I usually take my lunch break then, but I'll fit you in. With another final nod, the doctor put money on the bar to pay for their drinks and walked away. As Charlie sat in a daze at the bar, Dr. John Ramsey made his way out to the car park and got into his Mercedes. His hand went out to comfort the trembling woman. It's all right, Amanda. I think he's bought it. Oh, John, that's really wonderful. Do you think he recognized you? Why should he? It was so long ago, and as we've said, it was only my back on show. I'm wearing a beard now. Anyway, to my knowledge, I've never met him before today. And do you really think it will work? Well, I'll have every opportunity to frisk his clothes for the prince, and won't need to make a decision until the very last moment. You're taking an awful risk, aren't you? Don't worry, my pet. Dimorphin is almost undetectable. All I need is the opportunity to administer it under controlled conditions. He turned to Amanda, and his voice held uncontrolled savagery. I'm not going to let that little turd start to blackmail us again after all these years. We paid up once and handsomely. I'm not going to let him leech us dry for the rest of our lives. Charlie Clark didn't sleep that night. In fact, he had felt so worried, he had been grateful that the bitch mayors had stood him up. Any other time, he would have been on the phone threatening her with strong-arm tactics. But he felt weak and incapable of doing more than taking a cab all the way to his hotel and hang the expense. The next day, Charlie found himself walking into the medical centre and sitting in the slightly ostentatious waiting room of Dr. Ramsey. His confidence returned immediately when he found himself amid so many beautifully dressed patients, none of whom appeared to have anything really wrong with them. The receptionist tried to refuse him when she found he had no appointment and he was led to anger when Charlie insisted, saying the doctor had said it was all right. She disappeared into his office and voices could be heard. I'm sorry, Dr. Ramsey. He says you told him he didn't need an appointment. John Ramsey's handsome features looked perplexed. And who is he? Karen's voice turned to a whisper. He says he's a Charlie Clark and that you're expecting him. But I don't have him in my appointment book. He's getting quite aggressive. The doctor stood up, extending his hand comfortingly, saying, Then I'll just see him and explain the referral system. It will save a disturbance. Charlie was gratified to see the receptionist's manner had changed when she returned. Doctor will see you now, she said with an air of smug self-satisfaction. Charlie pushed past. 
The doctor's face was warm and cordial as he indicated a chair in front of the imposing desk. Good afternoon, Mr. Clark. Sorry about the mix-up. Now, I'd best give you a thorough medical before we start on any specialised areas. Let's cover the routine first. The next few minutes were taken up, taking temperatures and blood pressures and then heart rates. Hmm. How long have you had the arrhythmia? What? Irregular heartbeat. No problem in itself, but can be difficult to control with some medications. He patted Charlie's hand. Look, nothing to worry about, but perhaps I had best give you a more thorough medical. So could you go behind the screen, remove your shirt, then lie on the couch in the adjoining cubicle? I'll take a swab of that mole and send it in for tests right away to see if it's malignant. Charlie did as he was told, grateful for the professional detachment of the doctor. The probing fingers were firm but gentle, finally probing inside the mouth with a spatula, taking swabs and labelling them between glass. Afterwards, he was also sympathetic. Look, Mr. Clark, I don't believe in not telling the truth and therefore feel I must outline the potential problem. I can't be positive at this stage, but quite honestly, it doesn't look good. Most moles are benign, but occasionally they develop into something quite nasty. It's a common enough medical condition which, if caught early enough, can be treated. If not, we have to devise alternative procedures. Charlie sat like a man bewitched. What was this crud? He felt fine. Or had, but now he wasn't so sure. His head ached and his mouth felt dry and it was hard to swallow. Stammering, Charlie asked for more details of his condition. Dr. Ramsey spoke firmly, telling him that if the cancer had progressed too far, they may need to operate. There would be extensive radiotherapy, after which a hole would be drilled into the esophagus for a throat box and more therapy. He concluded by saying, It sounds scary, I know, but once the tubes are inserted and programmed with electronic impulses to connect with the brain, the voice generated is quite good. Charlie sat and listened in horror. Dr. Ramsey leaned over the desk and patted his arm. I'm sure we're worrying unduly. There are a few other tests I can do in a few days. In the meantime, why don't you go home and get some rest? He opened a drawer to the side of his desk and extracted a small vial of pills. My advice to you is go home and have a few stiff drinks, then take a few of these pills and give yourself a good night's sleep. Charlie took the pills gratefully. It's okay to take pills and drink. I feel like downing a few, but I don't want to overdo it. The doctor smiled understandingly. Sure, you can't do any harm. You could take the whole vial of pills and they wouldn't harm you. And to be honest, the alcohol will also relax you. You'll be surprised at how good you'll feel tomorrow. He opened up an unlocked drawer on the side of his desk. Look. I'll give you a small injection to relax you. It's important you don't get too stressed. You're not driving, are you? Charlie shook his head. Fine. Just take a cab home and put yourself to bed. Ring me tomorrow, and I'm sure I'll have the results, and more than likely a positive procedure lined up. Don't worry about paying. We'll organise that tomorrow, when you are formally on our books. Charlie walked out of the medical centre, numb with terror. His whole world had fallen to pieces. How could he not have known? Yet then again, why should he? Like he said, he hadn't been anywhere near a medic in over 20 years, and that had been with a dose of the pox. He indulged in a cab to his front door, with only a slight detour to the bottle shop. Within minutes, he was gulping down a stiff drink, and as an afterthought, took a few of the new pills. 
But alone in his small, dingy room, he had little comfort. As dawn approached, he looked at the almost empty bottle of scotch with dismay and rounded off the last gulp with a few more of the pills. If only he could sleep, he would feel better in the morning and go and get a second opinion. Yes, that's what he would do as soon as he felt better. When he finally fell on the bed, he found himself swirling through a mist of consciousness, falling down, down, and then spiralling through an abyss of deep craters. He tried to crawl out, but, but he couldn't. He tried to scream, but couldn't. Charlie Clark fell onto his back in a stupor that even the vomit in his throat did not disturb. For two days, Dr. John Ramsey read the morning papers thoroughly. On the second day, he waited all day for a call or visit that did not come. If it had, he would have been his usual efficient and courteous self. Ah, Charlie Clark. Yes, Inspector, I believe I did see a man of that name. No, he wasn't a patient. Far from it. I'm afraid he bullied my assistant for an unregistered appointment. He was concerned about a mole on his neck, absolutely benign, of course, but I told him to make a professional appointment with an ear, nose and throat specialist if really worried. Pills? Well, as he wasn't a patient, there is no way I could give or prescribe anything. As to the ones you mention, I'm afraid they could have come from anywhere. They're standard tranquilizers. Strong, yes, but harmless. Unless associated with alcohol, of course. But the call and the visit did not come. In fact, there was little reason to suppose that it would or should. With the newspaper beside him, he dialed a familiar number. A weary voice answered. Hello? Miss Young, I believe your problem has been circumvented. Wonderful. Amanda Mayer's beautiful face lifted for the first time in days. And what do you consider accounted for that, Dr. Ramsey? She asked with a slight mischievous smile. Oh, as usual, early intervention. Prevention is always far better than a cure. You have been listening to Early Intervention from the Crime Without Grime collection. It was written and read by Brianda Cross and performed by Brianda Cross and John Cross. Please check out our Fast Fiction podcasts on our website, fastfictionpodcast.com. You will find nearly a hundred other stories in many genres, and maybe you could give us a kind review on your favourite listening platform. Thank you.